it has been said that Unitarian Universalists don't do guilt. I sometimes hear this said in a humorous way. Sometimes the words are infused with a sense of pride. We don't do guilt. This is, alas, simply not true. We may not do it very well, but then who does? Guilt doesn't seem to be the sort of thing that one is meant to get good at. It is not a process one perfects, but according to some, a process that is meant to perfect one. Unitarian Universalist guilt is complicated, I think, by the fact that we sometimes believe that we don't do guilt, which translates as we shouldn't do guilt, which results in us feeling guilty for even feeling guilty. You see what I mean? I shouldn't be feeling guilty. What is wrong with me? When I looked up the phrase guilty as sin, which is I used as a title for this sermon, and the theme of this sermon um, came from Susan Senevic, um, who purchased this sermon topic at the audience, but she is not responsible for that title. Guilty as sin, I looked it up, and farther down on the page with the definition, I don't know if you saw that on the slide, but it asked, what made you want to look up as guilty as sin? And all of a sudden, I felt a little awkward in front of a web page. I wanted to respond, well, I'm not looking it up for me, really. I'm doing it for a sermon. It's for the congregation, you know, kind of like I'm just asking for a friend of mine. But guilt or guilty feelings happen. They happen to us all, right, at some point. Where does this guilt come from? For Unitarian Universalists, especially, who are sometimes said to be guilt-free. I heard a story of a well-meaning Unitarian Universalist mother and her young daughter, who was maybe five or six. They were waiting in the car for the rest of their family to arrive after church. Her young daughter was sitting in back in a car seat, and the mother was facing forward, looking through the front windshield, as they conversed about what the daughter had done in RE class that day. And the mother was reminiscing a bit about growing up, UU, and about what Unitarian Universalism meant to her, being kind to people, noticing when people were being treated unfairly and working to make things better, being generous and forgiving, thinking about those who were less fortunate, all things that made her, the mother, feel good about being Unitarian Universalist. So she was surprised to look back and find her daughter in tears. What's the matter, honey? What's wrong? It's so hard to be a Unitarian Universalist, her daughter sobbed. Right? I felt that way. Why do we Unitarian Universalists sometimes do guilt? Because we have high aspirations. May we be reminded of our highest aspirations from the reading in our hymnal and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. That can be 
hard. If we take that seriously, we are bound to notice ourselves falling short. And when we notice that, we are more than apt to feel, well, guilty. So much is calling to us. So many people hurting. So much that needs to be done or undone. The earth itself and all its creatures call out to us. We seem to be not inching forward as we might realistically expect, but going backwards at a rapid rate, unearthing hatreds and prejudices and ugliness that we thought we were going to move beyond. And what are we doing? What can we do? It is especially hard amidst the helplessness and frustration of the current situation, which, if anything, has cast an unforgiving light on the massive inequities, the brazen injustice, the racism and classism and devastating effects of unchecked greed, the scapegoating of the marginalized and the migrants, and the increasing polarization of we, the people. Yes, my goodness, we do guilt, but what do we do with it? Notice I didn't ask, what should we do with it, because that leads us right back into the cycle of guilt. But it is worth asking, what do we do with guilt? Because I think Angel Kyoto Williams is right. Our sense of what pains us and what makes us feel shame, feel guilt, feel awkwardness, feel put upon by people, feel disempowered, disempowered, that has to do with the external information and cues that we have received. And they're moving at an incredible rate of speed. And for the most part, we almost never get the opportunity to observe them and sort through them. And I think some of us, even many of us, have some time now to do that, to observe these things, to sort through them. Because guilt can go in a whole lot of directions. If I am overwhelmed by the pain in the world and feeling guilty for not responding to that pain in ways that I aspire to do, that can easily spill over into my critical examination of you, too. The world is in dreadful shape, and it can't be all my fault. What the hell have you been doing with your time and money and privilege? Why are we all so self-absorbed? See how that works. Get to share the guilt a little. And I'm not saying that guilt is always necessarily a bad thing. If I can use it to actually change my behavior so that next time I make a better choice or take a different action, that's not a bad thing. But guilt has been defined as my awareness that I did a bad thing or failed to do a good thing. Whereas shame has been defined as my conclusion that because I did a bad thing or failed to do a good thing, therefore I am a bad person. And guilt that is not recognized or reflected upon or that is universalized or that we run away from or that we use to beat up on ourselves, that can easily become shame. How do we do guilt? 
How do we not succumb to despair? It can certainly feel like we humans are getting worse over time. That misery and greed and selfishness and cruelty and fear-mongering and bullying and arrogance and self-indulgence and emptiness and hopelessness and helplessness and heartlessness are on the rise. Aren't you glad you logged into the service today? But I do understand that feeling, and I sometimes share that feeling. There are days when the outlook can only be described as dismal. And trying to escape those feelings can actually make things worse. For then, I am in denial rather than curiosity. Curiosity that Angel Kyoto Williams recommends. To recognize that we are this massive collection of thoughts and experiences and sensations that are moving at the speed of light and that we never get a chance to just be still and pause and look at them just for what they are. And then slowly to sort out our own voice from the rest of the thoughts, emotions, the interpretations, the habits, the momentums that are trying to overwhelm us at any given moment. She says, I think that if we can be willing to face discomfort and receive it as opportunity for growth and expansion and a commentary about what is now more available to us rather than what it is that is limiting us and taking something away from us that we will in no time at all, we will be a society that enhances the lives of all our species. So is that just naive Zen babble? I think not. What is now more available to me right now? Can I sort out my own voice from the rest of the thoughts, emotions, interpretations, momentums that threaten to overwhelm me? Can I separate what is helpful from what is habitual? Can I separate self-reflection from self-indulgence? Can I realize that my guilt all by itself does nothing useful for anyone, but that unchecked, unnoticed, unacknowledged, or denied, it can do harm? I mentioned that we can feel guilty for feeling guilty. I have also seen within myself, and others have shared that they have experienced too, that I can feel guilty for being grateful. I am grateful for what is in my life, and yet I realize that so many are in places of struggle and pain. My solution? Stop feeling grateful? Is that some kind of superstitious message I am carrying around which I can let go? Can I find a way rather to let my gratitude flow into streams of generosity? The wellspring of decency, writes Unitarian Universalist theologian and teacher Sharon Welsh. The wellspring of decency is loving this life in which people die People suffer, 
there are limits and we make mistakes. The wellspring then of moral action is a deep affirmation of the joy, richness, and blessing that the world is. The ground of challenging injustice, she says, is gratitude. The heartfelt desire to honor the wonder of that which is, to cherish, to celebrate, to delight in the many gifts and joys of life. When I am in despair over the whole of the human race and our seeming inability to live with and for each other with compassion and empathy, can I at least admit that Human beings are a project that, as far as we know, has no comparison. That while we fail in real and painful ways, we also have no clear model from which to learn. Can I move from the idea of humanity being a scourge upon the earth to humanity being a wondrous evolutionary experiment? arising from the earth, an experiment in which I participate with all my fear and my insecurities and my selfishness, but also with all my compassion, my curiosity, my heartfelt desire to honor the wonder of that which is. What I so love about the image that Susan shared from her experiences in Rwanda is that when I sit with it, just from hearing it, the people in those villages singing to one another in a call and response as they begin their days. Just hearing that description evokes so much within me. It is beautiful in and of itself. It is sad in that it speaks to the kind of human relationships we imagine could exist on a wider scale, but do not. It is helpful in that it touches something inside that calls us to a greater awareness, to let joy and song and kindness into our everyday routines. And it is. It simply is. We are evolving at such a pace, says Angel Kyoto Williams. Even what we're experiencing now in our society, we're just cycling through it. We're digesting the material of the misalignment. We're digesting the material of how intolerable it is to be so intolerant. We're digesting the material of 400, 500 years of historical context and saying, I must face this because it is intolerable to live in any other way than a way that allows me to be in contact with my full, loving, human self. It is okay to feel whatever we are feeling and to take the time to be with those feelings, to untangle, pull threads, and separate the many mixed messages we carry within. It is okay to feel anguish, 
to feel anger. It is okay to feel guilt. It is okay to feel a loss of faith in this human project. It is okay to feel gratitude in the midst of suffering. It is okay to be suffering in the midst of that for which you are grateful. All these things happen. This time we are in can be seen, and I think it will be seen in the future as a threshold. We can do this. We can face what must be faced. Because it is intolerable to live in any other way than a way that allows us to be in contact with our full, loving, human selves. So may it be.